Hello, everyone. Thanks for turning into the podcast. And afterwards, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us get to the front of the line with regard to the algorithm for searching uh, music podcasts. And uh, anyway, I hope you all are staying safe out there. I know things are crazy right now, but uh, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to get one of our favorite guests of the podcast on the show last night um, before the mandatory quarantines were put into place. Um, James Reedy is the singer-songwriter and guitarist for the band Morning Mountains. Uh, So without further ado, please welcome to Radio Keys Presents, James Reedy of Morning Mountains. Dude, welcome to Zombie Podcast. <laughs> it's the new thing we're doing here. And we're actually on your uh, live feed, yeah. too. So if anyone's watching this, it doesn't look like anyone's watching it yet. But that's no. kind of the story of my life, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you got to start somewhere. How <laughs> have you been, man? I've been, uh, I've been watching you from afar doing the whole social media, Instagram stalking thing. And uh, <laughs> you guys seem to be doing a lot of shit, which is good. Um, we're trying, dude. Um We've been like been pretty blessed with like getting hit with like some really really cool contacts, people hitting us up about shows, as well as like getting a lot of like really solid feedback by word of mouth. Yeah, like for sure. This year, um, I mean, as you know, like things have changed dramatically from the four piece to the two piece. Yeah, um, and it's being really well received. I mean, like I've had some just really really solid compliments and like some stuff that I haven't heard. In a long time, and I just feel like people are just receiving it so well. Well, when I last chatted with you, how long ago was that? It was, was like, April last year, wasn't it? Was it April that yeah. far? I feel like it could have been later than that. Like, well, we did our September. It was a little later. September, maybe. I think it was before family vacation last year, so it was before the summer. Like, Jeez. we had just recorded um, those three demo tracks. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Jamie Wask from um, Sloth and Turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, which were great recordings. We just we'd only been playing the songs for a month and a half when we first went in to record those. So it was like, all right, cool. Now that we know what we're playing, a year later, let's go in and record them with Zach Oren from Castle Ultimate. And dude, those. And, the, I mean, you just showed me on the iPhone, but it's yeah. like when you have that iPhone recording that you show someone and it sounds that good, you know it's gonna sound great when dude. you like get it on a, a real system. Even in your car, like cars have great systems really I, to listen to. Honestly, nowadays it's insane. Yeah. Like our work truck is a 2019 like Ford F250 and it's got like a personal like setting for the driver so that like sounds boosted for the driver to yeah. hear it better and it sounds so good. Yeah, thumbs through that thing. Yeah. Like I was doing um, all the initial mixing with our our guy Nate and like I'd go and listen to the recording, mm-hmm. you know, on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. I'd listen to it on my headphones which kind of have a little bit of a bass boost, so it's mm-hmm. like a little unrealistic for how the bass is going to be. Yeah. But then I just go into my car and like level everything out Flat. so it's all even and then listen to it, yeah. you know, quiet, listen to it loud. Mm-hmm. And um it 
it's really, I mean, you don't need like a state of the art sound system no. really anymore. I mean, can you imagine like back in the 70s, like your dad or whatever, he's like working his whole life to build this system that just sounds so badass. Like so <laughs> take some lady home and be like, man, listen to Zeppelin 4 on my sound system. And now it's like you can just go into your Toyota Camry and <laughs> have the same thing. I grew up with my dad's stereo system that was like that that he like bought at like a what is that rent to own like kind of stores yeah. he he spent like three thousand dollars on it's all like <laughs> usa made pioneer stuff Gotta be, dude, Gotta dude. Be USA made. oh my god we're german the germans man those are the ones <laughs> the microphones at least i don't know about all what is it uh, and stuff mcintosh they have the sennheiser sennheisers that's that's the mics yeah, i yeah. use sennheisers are nice yeah. They're yeah, super nice. Man. Yeah, they're really nice. I think I, I think this one might be German. What is this one? Bayer Dynamic? Is that one? Bayer? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get the nice mics for you later. Oh, these are just fifty eights that we're using. Yeah. But uh, they're solid. They're hammers. Yeah, yeah. They're great. I mean, they do okay. Like definitely. Yeah. I uh, I actually did this recording acoustic with uh, my sister. We were gonna put out an acoustic record. We still want to, but we recorded like eight tracks. I mean, eight, you know, different songs. And um, we used, you know, these nice microphones. But then we used um, 58s, too. And we just kind of put them there in parallel with them mm -hmm. to see what they sounded like. And kind of like the taste test, like the wine yeah. taste test, the 58 sounded pretty damn good. That's right. Like just on the guitar, you know, on the 12th fret, you do that whole thing. Yeah. It sounded pretty solid. We were kind of shocked. Like That's on awesome. a lot of those takes, we ended up using those 58s, which is kind of weird, but. That's awesome. Maybe Honestly, I like, up the other mic. I don't know. For acoustic recording, like I always like to have a like a room mic, and then like like a compressor right up on it. But I'm not very good at recording, so. Really, just, what is your experience with? I was like 13, 14 years old. Um, I started doing solo stuff um, on Audacity. Oh, that. Um, with a rock band mic. USB like I feel like we talked about that like dude yeah and we um I'm sure it sounded like not great quality but also uh -uh. I bet you it was passable I bet it was not horrible it, when it comes down to it like I was not good at keeping tempo um like didn't know what I was doing the latency issues like mm. were super difficult to deal with so I had no idea what I was they're doing they're still pretty frustrating from time to time you yeah know? they are most definitely but. And when it came down to it, like, I didn't, I can't find them anymore because MySpace did their fucking wipe. <laughs> but like, dude, dude, I was looking for my MySpace <sighs> page so like so hard one day back when I used to work like an office gig. Yeah, and, you know, you're just trying to kill time because mm -hmm. you're like, fuck my life. So you're like, I was like, I bet you my MySpace page is still up there somewhere. And yeah. I remember my old band had like old music up from from MySpace. I was like, yeah. Dude, I gotta find this. I had some pictures that I really wanted to find. I was like some old grainy uh, photos of myself when I was like was 13 tight. or 14. Taking on a flip phone like back in the oh, day. Shit. Dude, I didn't even get a, a like a cell phone until I was, I think, 17, 18. I feel like I got my first phone at 19. Yeah, I don't even know yeah. how we survived from day to day. Dude, I had girlfriends in high school too, which is insane. Oh, look at you. I, I was, I'm, so I'm 27. That put me in night. <laughs> 19 years old when I got my phone, it was 2000 and, or 2011. Oh, yeah. So I, it was late. Yeah, it was fairly game. late. Fairly late in the game. I was a... Uh, home phone, dude. What up? Oh, no. That was awesome. 
And your dad's like, get off the phone. I was like, dad, turn off your dial up. I got babes calling me. <laughs> yeah, he picks up the other line. I'm waiting for a call, son. <laughs> like, oh my God. I remember those days for sure. Um, uh, hogging the phone. When's the last time you heard a busy signal? I feel like it wasn't that long ago where it was like somebody's <laughs> phone. I called. I was like, "What?" It's confusing at first. Yeah. Like, what? But I think the last time I heard it was because we were trying to call each other at the same time. Oh, that uh, made busy signal. That's weird, man. Weird side note, but whatever. <laughs> so, despite all this, you know, I feel like we had to touch on it because you know, set the scene. Oh, yeah. Um, this is the first day of the quarantine for coronavirus COVID-19 COVID-19 sounds way Mm -hmm. nicer it sounds way uh scarier than coronavirus like COVID-19 sounds like Resident Evil zombie apocalypse whereas coronavirus sounds like "Eh, let's uh party yeah it's like find your beach dude yeah find your (laughs) beach this is our beach we're drinking some uh whiskey you have some whiskey on the on the rocks. I like mm. it when the ice melts, so I just add the water anyway. I like the... Uh, I, think, you, I think they call it highball. A highball, the whiskey with water. Is it? I think uh, so. Maybe I'm totally off. That's why my father drinks it. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I, if you've got something that's super strong, it definitely does. Like, It's killer. I usually yeah. drink Booker's, like <laughs> my favorite of the whiskeys, which is actually like the highest quality Jim Beam that you can... Really? Like you can buy. And they have like their $500 bottles, but we buy like the... Six year batch, that's like 120 proof, and yeah. so yeah, like the ice or a little bit of water is necessary, it's necessary, super <laughs> necessary. Yeah, this, the, I mean, I, I've always we did a blind taste test on Christmas Day, actually. It was mm. like me, Alante, my girlfriend Amber, we um, we had a bunch of nice whiskeys, and then we had good old Jimmy B over yeah. here. And blind taste test, Jim Bean won. That's <laughs> maybe awesome. our palate, maybe our palates are just pure shit. I don't <laughs> know, but like, it, we were shocked, really, that Jim Beam, all three of us picked it. That's crazy. I think the other ones were just really, you know, intense, like yeah. that gasoline style, which I mm-hmm. guess people like. People really like that. That's you know? the Booker's. It's smooth, but like, definitely, I'm pretty sure you can run your car on it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> run that's, myself on it is what yeah. I like to do. Um, but. but but yeah, we're stuck in this quarantine, and we we've been canceling everything under yeah. the sun. Everyone's been canceling it. Like my Instagram feed is just my favorite bands. Uh huh. Postponed. Postponed. Paragraph long uh, screenshot explaining why it's like we don't really need an explanation why we yeah. get it. Yeah. But uh, that's the responsible thing to do. I hit you up today, okay. and we decided to be a little irresponsible, and <laughs> we're not on lockdown yet. <laughs> yeah. At midnight. It's officially locked down, so. I was stoked that you decided to still come out, though, no. because I saw you last at your show um, at Toots Tavern mm-hmm. with uh, the Overland Return show, the, uh, uh, for... the Phoenix birthday show. Mm-hmm. Happy with... birthday, Phoenix, if you're yeah. listening. What up, girl? Yeah. Yeah. That was no, a fun time, man. That was a really good show. Um, I fell on my ass that I show. I saw, dude, I saw. <laughs> I went down. And the, I don't, I'm not even going to bring it up. It's, it's. I That's think unnecessary. We had a little bit of complications with the sound guy that like, dude, I don't want to be that guy who's pushing buttons, but I kind of want you to bring it up because people have been talking to me about that really? like, a lot. Yeah. And I was actually in the restroom when it happened. So I yeah. didn't, I didn't see it happen, but I came back and like, I would say the majority of the crowd was just incensed, just like furious. And I was like, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. And uh, Alante was so mad, and Tom was really mad. 
and you actually looked pretty chill. Like uh, you were like you took matter. it on the chin, like you're just uh, like, dude, I don't know what you're trying to do. Yeah, it was just like all all that happened was is like so we have the pause. We yeah. finish our um second to last song, we have a pause. And I'll usually like take the moment to tune my guitar because it's it's a three four song. It's all real like clean, and it, it the intonation matters. Like it matters if yes. if I'm like s- slightly off anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I take that moment to like bring respect and appreciation and like love for the community and talk about what it means and what safe space means and like what like what this actually means. Like and why? you're bringing it in too, because yeah. you're not talking into the mic. No. You're like bringing it down. And I think yeah. it was someone who brought it up on the podcast. They're like, if they, if you want people to hear you, you don't speak yeah. louder, you speak softer exactly. and you draw them in. Yeah. And you were doing that. You were drawing, yeah. you're drawing in the audience every, uh, from what I hear, obviously, like I said, I, I was, was leaned down on my pedal board, like in a leak. So <laughs> yeah, I felt I, bad. I, was, I wasn't there. Oh, it's all good, man. It's like I, I took in a knee in front of my pedal board, yeah. which is like already got the suitcase thing. So it's already got a lid. It's yeah. already got a little coverage. I'm just kind of tuning my guitar and like multitasking, which is impossible anyways. Like you can't yeah. multitask. So like just kind of back and forth explaining this and like going on. And and then I move that forward into um, the story of like what that song is about, the final song. Yeah. Um, which I know you know, and, and I'll explain later. I'll, we'll do an acoustic version. Of I know you know, and I'll, I'll explain it to all you guys like what that actually means. Yeah. Um, but this guy, like, you've got this drunk guy that's standing right in front of Carrie, mm-hmm. who's just like, "You're freaking great, dude." Mm-hmm. For lack of better words, Carrie is great. For the record, he's a phenomenal drummer. His rudiments are sick, and I, uh, his uh, his time because you guys have like that kind of uh, herky jerky, like kind of offbeat feel sometimes, uh-huh. which syncopated. Like awesome stuff that you do, and you guys are so dialed in. And he's like, he's hitting all those ghost notes in between oh. the accents and stuff. He's an awesome drummer, man. He's on it, always. yeah. Alante and I were talking about him the other day, and we're like, man, that guy really brings it. Yeah. In fact, um, a little off topic. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting oh, no. your story, but Alante was talking about how he wants to do a, a drummer podcast and get um, TJ from from the bottom, Carrie from Morning Mountains, and him at uh, Tom's place in Oakland, That'd and be just awesome. like talk about drums for two hours that'd be so sick yeah i, I dude, i'd be into it so yeah maybe uh maybe we'll get in touch with carrie oh uh, carrie would love that yeah um i'm sure he would but I mean, anyway like, so this drunk guy's heckling yeah, carrie I, and it got in a positive way it sounds like yeah and he's just like i think he starts like kind of like calling him names because he won't like play a drum solo like while like i'm telling a story so the drunk guy is so yeah and then also the sound engineer is like He's egging it on as well. A sound engineer, um, I don't remember his name. Probably um, for the best. And <laughs> yeah. usually he's like a pretty solid engineer. Like usually he's pretty great. Um, I've never had an issue with him before. But and I understand where he's coming from. He can't hear me. I'm not speaking into the mic. He has no idea. As far as like he's concerned, we're just standing there on stage, and I'm messing with my pedal board. He like has he can't see me. So he's not cognitive of what's actually happening. He does. He has no idea what the circumstances. He, he can't hear. Even if he couldn't hear, he could see that you were communicating in some kind of way. But for whatever reason, he wasn't seeing that. The podium for that 
like I went and stood next to him for a second and I looked at what he was looking at with the people that were standing in front of me and with like his positioning on the podium for mm-hmm. his mixing board. You couldn't tell mm-hmm. what was going on. And so um, he like yelling drum solo, drum solo, drum solo into the PA, into our monitors. I don't know if it was through like all of the PA, yeah. but in our monitors, like I could hear this guy like telling Carrie to do this drum solo. And Carrie's like trying to be respectful and try to like not be a dick about it. But he's just, no, like, no, nah, nah, man, nah, it's cool. And so he starts rolling in house music. Oh, that's tough. So he starts rolling in like, like Nickelback or whatever. <laughs> and God, no. And oh, I'm such a dick. Um, I'm going to forget her name. And she's somebody that like I've known for years and years. Hey, years. don't worry about it. Here, do you mind if I move this a little closer? Yeah, to you? All right, Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Is that good? All right. Yeah. Um, Jacob's girl. Mm, I've known them my whole. It feels like my whole life now. Sorry, right, you went. Oh, I right. noticed when you get on the spot here, like in Names this room, you're like, Ugh, your brain goes yeah. completely. I mean, my brain goes dead more often than not on Raquel. this. Raquel. Raquel. See, Raquel. I bought yeah. you a little bit of time. Thank you. There we go. Um, she like noticed what was going on and like grabbed the mic and like held it in front of my face while I was still like tuning. And well, I know like, Raquel. Yeah. yeah, 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 Raquel yeah. And Jacob. She was like, Hey, he's like, obviously speaking like here. Now you can hear it. Cause this dude's rolling in house music. And so I just like stood up at that point in time and like finished what I was saying, or at that point I was like, Oh, I guess nobody wants to hear this. Cause he's rolling in house music. And at that point in time, like, I think mean, that was kind of a dick move Did for that- me to say, but no, it was dude. more so just like, did that guy know he had egg on his face like the second that happened or did he was he, he like too proud to really understand like he was still after our set he was still explaining to Carrie like how he was right and Carrie was like nah man like that was the most unprofessional thing I've ever witnessed in my life like out of the 10 years like me and James have been working on music together like that was the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen good for him man and I went up to him at the end of the show and was like, yo man, like I understand your circumstance. Like, I understand where you're coming from, but like for real, like it sucked. Not your place either. Uh-uh. You know, for sure. Not your place. Like if you, if you're hired to be the sound guy, the only thing you need to worry about yeah. is making sure when the band is playing, yeah. they sound good. Yeah. It's not your job to entertain the audience. No. It's not your job to make sure that, a band starts or stops on time. Yeah. It's not your job to say, hey, man, usually bands should only be have like yeah. 15 seconds between yeah. songs and you're really dragging it out. Yeah. That's not your but job. Like maybe think about why and start yeah. paying attention to why it's being dragged out. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know, like <sighs> actually like I didn't feel, um, I had like no real negative anything towards it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, whatever. Like it's ha- like, Something like that's happened before. Like, it'll happen again. I, I, I'm pretty easy going. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, it was only until, like, actually, me and Alante, Radio, Radio Keys, <laughs> were, like, talking, um, your band, um, were talking outside. He was like, no, I felt robbed. Yeah. And that's when it became an issue in my heart. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't worried about, like, me getting a point across. But when a fan feels robbed of something... Like, that's I thought your guys' set was a little short that night. I actually felt bummed because I thought it was short. I was like, yeah. 
They're done already. Like I, I came to see Overland because those guys haven't played since October, and I like really wanted to support them. Mm-hmm. Then I really wanted to support you, and we had just come back from Santa Cruz mm-hmm. that weekend. Mm-hmm. We we'd been playing a bunch of shows, and it's nice to be able to go out just as a fan and just like chill yeah. and and say hi to your friends and then watch them do their yeah. thing. Yeah. And and I mean, like I said, I was in the restroom for that, but wow. um, between that and um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess you also had a few issues before the show started. Oh, yeah. yeah, you had a few um, uh, pedalboard issue. Yeah, what was going on with that? Um, so we went directly from the studio into there. Um, oh shit! Like literally, I did six hours of vocals that day. That'll be and a then good went to segue. That show. I want to hear about that shit too. <laughs> um, but the day before vocals, we did guitars so um it was just me and zach oren um castle ultimate at shark Pike studios um where's that studio it's in uh jack london nice um, oakland baby yeah dude, yeah it's, it's hella tight it's the same studio we were same engineer same studio for our for where lovers go to die for our momo release and for our soda release which um I, it's all everything that we have published and licensed has been done by Zach. Nice. Um, and he does a really good job at like listening to what the song sounds like now or like what it needs mm-hmm. and like makes it fit for that. Like he doesn't have a set for what we're supposed to sound like. Yeah. He listens to the collective of songs. And is like, Oh, this is what these songs are supposed to sound like. Nice. Man. And I appreciate the hell out of it. So, so what is the process that you like to bring to a recording session? I'm going to explain what happened with my pedal board real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. pedal board. Yeah, pedal. I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> no, but so uh, this is really embarrassing. This is dumb. Um, so I have the the um, Voodoo Lab 2 mm-hmm. box and there's the isolated yeah, power supply. Yeah, the isolated power. I think I have the same one. And so I've got too many pedals. And so I run off of my... So in my signal chain, I have a split signal out of a bass synthesizer and then it goes to EQ and then my guitar signal, the dry signal out of the bass synthesizer goes through a bunch of other stuff and then into the EQ and then I isolate frequencies there. So I like send all my bass stuff over to the bass and then like at 120 and above, I run to the guitar amp. So just for layman's out there, it basically is you run uh, <laughs> a guitar, your straight guitar signal, you run it into... A bass amp. synthesizer, yeah. so it sounds like a bass, and then you run that through a bass amp, and yeah. then you split that with a guitar. Yeah, you take that same signal and then run that through a bunch of guitar equalization, yeah. and then run that through a guitar yeah. amp, so it sounds like you're being doubled. Yeah, so it sounds okay. like I've got a bass player, and it sounds like I've got a guitar player. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really cool. But <laughs> so in that guitar chain is a reverb pedal, so I go directly into my uh, Sonic Research tuner. And daisy chain off of my sonic research to my boss reverb mm-hmm. just for the power because I'm out of um, slots in my ISO. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot to plug it back in because I took the <laughs> I took the uh, tuner off of the pedal board for recording bass because yeah, I had a buffer yeah. in it. Um, and then when I put my pedal board back together, I never put that back on and didn't notice. Dude, I've. Uh I've done that a lot because when I play a solo acoustic show, that's kind of like where I make 
my extra money on the on the months. You know, I'll just go to like a oh, brewery yeah. and play for three hours like acoustic. Yeah. And I plug into a reverb pedal because we have our PA system and it's like real dry mm-hmm. on my guitar if I don't. So um, I don't run the I don't run the reverb through my regular uh, pedal board because I've got my my amplifier reverb like yeah. that spring reverb and it sounds great. Yeah. So I just use that. But sometimes when I'm messing around, like unplugging things and because like you said, there's only so much power you have from that voodoo uh, isolated power box. It's like sometimes I fuck up and forget what is plugged Mm -hmm. in and what isn't plugged in. And uh, I've had that situation before and it always Mm -hmm. happens at the gig. It always does. And it's it's funny because when we did sound check at that gig, I did like bass amp, checked it, sounded good. Checked guitar amp, sounded good. I didn't check them at the same time. Playing, oh. playing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it worked for either one. When I turned the bass pedal off, it worked for my dry signal. When I turned it on, it worked for the bass signal. But they wouldn't work in conjunction. Hmm. It was just, and it's also because I wasn't using my bass amp. I was using Josh's from Overland. Gotcha. gotcha. And so a lot of a lot of variables turned into me just being a dumbass. So when you go back to the studio question, when I tried to derail mm-hmm, your story <laughs> back to your, I just wanted like, to admit that I was dumb. Dude, <laughs> That's all we need to do. We need to go into a mistake. Yeah, we need to go into confession, mm-hmm. say what happened, and then boom, you're, cu- <laughs> you're cured or whatever. You know? Yeah, just like you've been <laughs> forgiven. Yeah. So, do you when you record in the studio? Do you record a bass guitar or do you record the other way? Uh, so I run the other way, being that we just described with your so bass simulator. Up until this point, all of the recordings that are available currently um, to the public. <clears throat> are um, are four different people playing four different instruments, mm-hmm. um, and then me and Howell we played guitar and sang, and Carrie played drums, and then either like Daniel Moon played bass on Where Lovers Go to Die, or Daniel Cloxton played bass on Momo or or uh, Soda those records. Um, now it's I play all stringed instruments, so I record two guitars, um, bass vocals and then all vocal harmonies and Carrie comes in and plays drums. Does Carrie sing at all? Not on these tracks. Um, he does sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he sings, but he's yeah. not on these tracks now. Does he sing it live ever? No. He should um, really get into that, man. Cause your harmonies are, I mean, you just showed me the, like I said earlier, the iPhone recordings, but I noticed no. the harmonies because your harmonies always sound good. He's got a real low voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not as high vocals as I am. Yeah, and so like he can sing like my main vocal. Yeah, but yeah. then I would be end up, end up doing all the harmonies <laughs> yeah, yeah. for like he would become the lead singer. Dude, I uh, I was talking. You, you know uh, Mickey Ray from Taking Root. I don't. No. Uh, she uh, she is um, kind of a younger artist, and she lives in the Reno area. But she plays uh, all the mountain vibes and stuff. And we just oh, played with her band in Reno. And uh, we were watching her play. She had this like little pod where she was playing like through her uh, microphone. And I was like, dude, it sounds like there's some sweet harmonies going on. I look at her band taking root, the drummer and bass player, and they're not singing. And she's adding like these these harmonic layers Mm -hmm. to her vocals, which sounds really cool. Yeah. So um, I I don't know. You already have like this octave 
uh, situation with your guitar, mm-hmm. it might be sick to also add some kind of octave shit to your vocals. Honestly, like I've just been, go nuts with it. I've been looking into like getting a voice box or like um. The only thing, honestly, the thing that deters me the most from it, and I don't mean to make a shot at this company at all, but I, I'm really rough on equipment. Like I'm very rough on equipment. What do you mean by rough? Um, like when I buy pedals, I prefer to buy pedals that have replaceable switches. They're not directly. Oh, you mean you're physically I'm rough? Physically rough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I okay. Beat the hell out of my equipment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like my Telecaster. That's 2010 Telecaster. If you look at that thing in detail, the back of it, like all the finish is completely cracked. It's. Dude, Beep. I love that battle damage, though. That's it's, one of my favorite yeah. things about guitar is, like, people, they always buy those, like, you know how back Relict. in the day, people used to have those uh, distressed jeans, and they yeah. would, like, have, like, cheese grater. You saw, just saw probably uh-huh. some poor Indian kid in, like, Sri Lanka, like, cheese grating. Paid an extra $200 yeah, so like, that they, like, looked like I've actually done something in my life. Yeah, so, yeah. but Relict. that, yes, relic with guitars. guitars. Dude, I'm like, they look so dope, but they're so fake. But then when you have a legit relic guitar, like I have a um, a reissue 70 tel- uh, 72 Telecaster Deluxe. Nice. And back when I was in my rock and roll band, Azure, which I've referenced on this, uh, <laughs> this podcast multiple times, we used to be real dorky. Like, but we were very high energy, like live bands. So there would be times when we would like freaking throw our guitars, you know, and do with that whole mm-hmm. thing. And that guitar has some serious battle damage. And oh. it, like, I'm like, damn, I wish it was, like, four times as much as it has right now, you know? But that wouldn't yeah. be as authentic. But oh. what you're saying is, it sounds like it is authentic. I would actually, damn, I wish you had it with you. I'd love to take oh, a look wow. at it. Um, well, it, it's, I honestly, like, so this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Is I want to do, like, these little, like, Instagram story things where we like really dive into our gear and mm-hmm. do like specials on the gear because like inside that Telecaster case I have like all of my um, we're about to steal that idea with this fucking sudden downtime we're all fucked with <laughs> right, right now. Dude, I'm just gonna make hella videos just put it all up yeah, yeah. Uh, but like go over the entire guitar case because like I got that guitar when I graduated high school um, it was like a my dad threw on some bucks my brother helped me out, and then like um, Julian Quintanero, I can never pronounce his last name. He's the dude that like introduced me like Gorilla Biscuits and like Minor Threat and like all this like old school yeah, like yeah. Limp Wrist, all this old school hardcore. Yeah, and yeah I was yeah. like, what? Shit's <laughs> dope. Um, they all helped me get this like seven hundred dollar Mexi Telly, the FSR series. Yeah, dude. It's basically just like our butterscotch blonde. It's TV yellow, fucking. Mexi Telly. All of my fenders are Mexi. Yeah. Hispanic people, man. Mexican Telecasters. I've seen better like wiring harnesses in like Mexican Telecasters over American Telecasters. I've seen a lot of like really great work. Like my neck. Our last show in Sacramento at the Rust Room. A phenomenal venue. Love yeah. the place. Kind of a pain in the ass to load in at, but they do have an elevator. Um, beautiful venue. Literally on the last note, I like stabbed the note. Well, like that, I don't, no strap locks, no strap bearing, like none yeah, of that yeah, shit. Yeah. And the guitar literally, whoop, boom, like on its face, landed. I picked it up, it was still in tune. 
the neck on that thing is so straight. Like, you might know better than me. What is what is the main? Obviously, it's manufactured in America versus manufactured in Mexico. But what is really the difference? Because I imagine they're both manufactured by people who are really good at manufacturing guitars. So what I heard, this is 10-year-old information, 15-year-old information, um, and it's probably not true. Um, But what I heard, basically, is so Fender gets stocks, right? They get their blanks. Um, I know Squire's made by a completely different company. Like, Fender owns Squire. Is is Squire, I feel like that's like... In Asia China. somewhere. Yeah, China Chinese guitars. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a Squire Strat. It's like I found it like a homeless camp because uh, <laughs> my company like that I work for had to take her down to homeless camps and I feel really guilty about it. But like I have to like go through that real quick because like I feel awful about going through and like tearing down eight-year-old like homeless camps in like San Lorenzo or like in Concord and like and it broke my heart. But at the end of the day, it was like it's going to get done anyways. I mean, paid triple my wage, mm-hmm. and I'd rather do it with respect than somebody who's just in there, like, fucking raping and pillaging, like, through their their homes that they've had to abandon. Yeah. So, I, I went through it, like, with this, like, really, like, respectful mindset of, like, everything was, like, I left generators and bicycles out in, like, yeah. an open field area so that when they came back at night after we had left, they can get their stuff that, like, had value. Mm-hmm. Um, and who is funding this situation? So I work for a company called Clean Harbors. Um, mm-hmm. It's an environmental services company. Um, I do hazardous waste remediation. Um, so when you come into a homeless camp, you end up with like a lot of biohaz, whether it be like... Like um, needles and shit? A lot of needles. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of needles. And like... And the shit that you see is like, it's pretty, pretty fucked up, man. Like you're like digging through like... You're like dumping out a kid's toy box and you have to go through things because you have to find all of the needles. You don't want to put that in general debris and then have somebody get stuck with that mm-hmm. out like at a like waste management site. Yeah. No, like we're a hazardous waste company. That's why we're hired to do it. Totally. And so like you would find like used needles and they'd be capped, but you find used needles in like toy boxes. Like obviously like, there, there's one site in specific where, like, I remember there's obviously children living there. And it broke my heart. Yeah. And, I don't know, it was just, like, it was two or three months of just, like, pure guilt that I'm still dealing with. And I still, like, it breaks my heart that, like, these people have, they're just trying to get by. Yeah. That's, is it, did they fail society or did society fail them kind of thing? I think it goes a little hand in hand, right? Like, obviously, we're we're not the wealthiest people on the planet. We're no. doing what we can. No. But at the same time, it's like we don't... We're fortunate and privileged enough to not have mental illness, to not have severe addiction. No. And um, there are a lot of people out there who have both... Or have one or the other. And, I mean, obviously, you got to tread lightly when you talk about this kind of yeah. stuff. But I feel like the, the real failure is the inability for these people 
to get the help that they need because I think that a lot of the time these people are untreated and they need to like the reason I feel like mental illness and and um, addiction go hand in hand is because when you have this crazy demon inside of you that is mental illness and it's messing with your brain it's messing with your emotions with your perception you just want to shut it up it's a and lack of dopamine <laughs> yeah. where a lot of it comes from is a mental illness like schizophrenia comes yeah. from a lack of dopamine and you start utilizing like drugs that dump dopamine yeah into your brain and then you don't sleep for a few days and then mm-hmm. you move into dementia yeah. And then you're triggering schizophrenia. And that's why like you see a lot of um amphetamine users that end up schizophrenic. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I'm grossly unqualified to talk about this kind of thing, but I just would really love it if we could find a way to like really help these people rather than just kind of sweep them under the rug or criminalize them or yeah, the criminalization is tough too. But yeah, I I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time talking about this. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's tough. I'm sorry that you feel guilt for that though. Because I mean, are you, are you like when you say you're cleaning their stuff up, you're, it could easily be me. It could easily there. be anybody, really. I've I've struggled anybody with mental illness. About, yeah. Like I've struggled with depression. I've had my own like personal like slight like moments of like schizophrenic episodes as a child. Mm-hmm. Like I had one when I, I was, you actually touched on that on the last yeah, podcast. I was, when I was fourteen, and the one once one when I was nineteen. It, it was super strange, and like I'm, I've done a lot of hallucinogenics, and like first time was before that, second time was after that. But like I know the difference between reality. And like brain playing around, you know, mm-hmm. and so like I was able to like, nah, nah, and didn't even didn't even give it the time of day. Just moved on, but it's something that's that's pretty serious. Um, and I've also struggled with like addiction in my life. Like I've struggled with alcoholism. I've struggled with like cocaine. I've struggled with like a lot of different drugs that like it could have easily been me. Yeah. Honestly, if I didn't have a, like a immediate family that was so supportive and so understanding and so loving, it would be me. I think the re I mean, I don't think you can you can obviously like give the credit where it's deserved to your family, but it's like you're a, a really strong, passionate individual and there are things that you care about, mainly music, I assume, like music is your life right like so above that it's community there's a lot of people who don't have passion or community and that's when it gets real easy to be like fuck it i'm gonna just (laughs) yeah drink all day or i'm gonna do this yeah gives a fuck yeah exactly and i i understand that mentality but you have a you have a lot of passion (laughs) and that's rare and the thing is is like last time i talked to you you had just started the two-piece yeah and it felt like it could have been a temporary thing. Like maybe you were like, we'll see if we can find other people who are dedicated. And it seems like the perfect mechanism for your passion because you can just cruise to Sacramento on a Thursday night and be like, yeah, we'll play this pop-up show. No big deal. It's like, yo, Carrie, you want to do something? Let's go. Yeah. And he's like, we've been so easy to 10 years. 
So easy to coordinate. Uh, yeah, it's like and you, we trust you want some so more. Do you want to get some more whiskers? Absolutely. Let's do some more whiskers. Here, go ahead and uh, keep talking while I pour that. Oh, yeah. Um, no, and me and Carrie, we started a project called Tithing or Tight. It was our first project together that we used to like practice at um, the house in Brentwood. We rented a room there, and we shared uh, a room with Dorothy Mantooth, which was actually like um, one of Howell Rose like old rooms um, for the Elite Dare, which was like the Elite Dare was like two thousand. I'm probably wrong on this, but like great music, like really hard. Cheers, brother. Cheers, man. Much love. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Pleasure is always ours, dude. Um, and so like there was a lot of history like with the house, um, and we started playing tithing or tight there with my older brother, um, Brian, who was in like my first band, which is like Metal Inc which yeah. is like a thrash band, like very like Megadeth Metallica mm-hmm. influenced um, that we started when I was like 13 playing shows when I was like 14. Um, and moving forward, like that ended my senior year and I wanted to like start to get into brand new and like death cab and like, like okay, like I don't, the, those... the emo screamo more, like, more lyrically Dense um, yeah, type. So I'm 17 years old, dude. I don't give a fuck about politics at that point in my life. Yeah, I was like, I feel these things. I've never had any like ability to express them. Like I've never been able to like, be like oh, like love. Like oh, like metaphors for love. Like oh, okay, Jesse Lacey. Even though like you're canceled now, he had a great metaphor. Why is he canceled? I, he had like some run in with like. <laughs> A younger woman from back in the day, and like, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, nothing actually happened, as yeah. far as like we know. Yeah, they just like rented a, or got a hotel together once and when she was seventeen. And he was like later twenties, and yeah, and like he just was like, oh, I can't do anything with you. We're just friends. But he has been called out on it, and if she felt that way, then if she felt that way in the moment. Where she felt like she could have been at risk, or like she, somebody like at all yeah. threatened. Yeah, and that's what she's saying. Yeah, okay. it was a negative. Yeah. It was a negative experience for her. Yeah, and like, sorry, Jesse. Like, yeah, I love your music, but I can't support that anymore. Yeah, things. I mean, the the main thing is we don't really know, and. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the thing is, is feelings change over time. So you might look back and be like, man, that was really fucked up, actually. But at the time, you're 17, you're like, actually, I want to go hang out with my artist friend. I'm just saying, at 17 years old, if Jesse Lacey asked me to go and hang out at a hotel with him, with the potential of anything happening, I'd be like, fuck yeah, Jesse, what's up, girl? (laughs) But the thing is, <laughs> but the thing is, is you're in that scenario. You're 17, and that is simply too young. It is simply too young to be sharing a hotel room with a man, a full grown man who's yes. 27. Like she wouldn't have yeah. been able to go through custom, like or whatever you have yeah. to go through. She would have had to have him get the hotel, and she would have just met him up there. Yeah, I've been in that situation <laughs> when I was 17. But anyway, the the whole point is. Not cool. It sounds like it's not cool. Even yeah. if even if she hypothetically at the time was like, that sounds dope, let's do yeah. this. It wasn't cool. Still simply too young and he and should have been responsible and been sh- like, yeah. yo, 
he had an afterthought in the hotel. Not nah, nothing could happen. But we've had but. we've had this conversation so many times about not Jesse particular, but just um, when does the artist and the art, the person who made the art, start to start to really put you know a rain cloud over the art itself? And we talk about people like. Dali, even you know, like no. painter uh, no. Picasso, famous asshole. Yeah. You know, there's like there you can go down. Like, let's talk about Jimmy Page taking a 14 year old and essentially kidnapping her. Uh, Elvis Presley. <laughs> like, Elvis honestly, Presley. Like, like if we if you want to go down the rabbit hole, no. you like at what time are you like you know what what Jimmy Page did was so heinous. It was. I'm fucking... not listening to Led Zeppelin anymore. It's you know? trash. Like it honestly is a very 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 like if that happened today today, like not only canceled but like locked up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like that's they, some Gary Glitter shit. You like know, definition of house mouse. Like <laughs> they like locked this girl up in a house and I'm like yo this is yeah that's I brought her here for you. Yeah, I heard they saw. I heard they he saw her on a billboard because they were in L.A. I think, and he saw her on a billboard, and he was like, "Who's that? Find her!" And basically, I want to talk to her. And it turned out she was like this fourteen-year-old chick, and that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. But at like, what point are you going to be like, "I'm not going to listen to Over the Hills and Far Away anymore"? <laughs> you know, like yeah. at what point? And honestly, like Michael Jackson's like, really the the main one that Michael you're like Jackson. You've got um. I just said Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and that's a sore subject, like really bad. Yeah. But he has like, let's not forget. Yeah, I don't want to get into it too much with no, Kobe like, because it's such a fresh wound. And like, I I love Kobe. He was a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, and he's a phenomenal person. And he like really like that whole like dedication thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and Mamba we all make hashtag Mamba mentality. Yeah, we all make mistakes. I made mistakes in my life. Yeah. Um, not in that aspect, but like, yeah. I think with Kobe, it is definitely more. Um, are you going to believe his side or are you going to believe her side? It, yeah. it wasn't like so cut and dry, like, hey, you're bringing a 14 year old to your hotel room. Or, you know, it wasn't like that. It was literally a he said, she said, whatever happened in that room, we don't yeah. really know. There's no proof. So we way. don't know. Yeah. So that's why it's tough for me to tough, touch on that one. But there's so many musicians where there there's no dispute about what happened you know it's like this is what happened but we still love listening to misty mountain hot you know it's all good if you listen to uh stairway to heaven you know but quite literally like no big deal yeah and then there's all the truthers out there like the people who are like no man michael jackson didn't do that shit and those two dudes are corrupt who said that and like you know (laughs) there's like so much and you're like Golly, there's so many people out there who are just like yeah. really sticking up for these dudes who like let's be real about Michael Jackson. Like gun to your head, what do you think about Michael Jackson? Like what do you think actually happened? Would you really say he didn't do it? When you like dive into like his childhood and like what actually happened? So so tragic. Impossibly tragic. Impossibly tragic, dude. Like yeah. his life was trauma. Yeah. His life was so tra- like so filled with trauma and like so much abuse and so much just like like what have you done for me today kind totally. of like totally. mentality. He never got a chance to be a child. And so like I I'm not gonna say like I'm not gonna say it's it's 
forgiven or it's understandable. But it makes sense. And I don't... I can't... I, well, well I, trauma begets more trauma, you know? Trauma begets more trauma. Like, you really, really do, like... Something that is introduced to you at a young age, no matter what it is, if you become familiar with it, it's easier to repeat. It's also... If you've suffered trauma, it's easier to, um, what's the word? It's easier to um, accept in a certain way. Like justify. This is, like, yes, yeah. to justify it. You're like, well, this is, it's easier is to, to normalize it. Yeah. It's like, well, it, it happened to me and it wasn't wrong because I'm okay. And, and a part of me was like, it was fine at the time yeah. because there was a part of me that might have, you know, God, I don't want to get too into it, but you know no. what I'm talking about. Uh, like, this is like real serious yeah, topic. Yeah, this is real shit. fucking it's like serious. Beyond, like, <laughs> beyond why we play music, this is yeah. like real. Like, This all started because Jesse Lacey taught me to be like, yo, emotions are rad, bro. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're right. I don't want to write about politics anymore. Um, I'm going to start a band called Tithe Anchor Tight and wrote like... Song, like we have a SoundCloud still. It's I just posted about it the other day. It's <laughs> Thomas the Skeptic, um, um, Feed Off Me, which actually at Mountain Vibe last year we played Feed Off Me, which is like a song me and Carrie played ten years ago. Um, and then also on there there's a song called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Speaking of Mountain Vibe, you guys are in. We are. You're um, in, in, in. Thursday. Thursday night we. Co-headline, so we support Sabretooth Unicorn, um, who had a legendary Thursday night set last year. Yeah, which um, people are people are always talk about that performance. By the way, have you seen what Vince has been doing in this COVID nineteen bullshit? Uh uh-uh. He's been doing a, a live uh, Facebook live like radio show, TV show. Yeah, and he's been doing oh for sure yeah he's been doing um uh. Basically a call-in request on Facebook Live. So he sits there for hours and just has people request songs. And he will play almost any song that's in the comments. I forgot what he was calling it. It was like Apocalypse. I think it's Apocalypse How is the name of the show. Yeah, dude, he's killing it. He's killing it. And people are really trying to make lem- uh, lemonade. I almost said lemons out of lemonade. <laughs> make it you know, lemonade out of lemons with this thing. I mean, honestly, like right now, the most intelligent thing for all of us to do is to turn to doing what we should be doing anyways is like you have the opportunity. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, he brings this across. It's like you got the ability to be Fox News. You got the ability to be NBC. You got the ability to put yourself on television mm-hmm. for anyone every day. Why aren't you? Yeah. Like Instagram is the new Fox News, like or Facebook's the new Fox <laughs> News, really. But like, depends whose grandma is where, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, when it comes down to it, yeah, we all should be doing like at least one acoustic show or like full band show on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or YouTube Live or Patreon or fucking whatever you get the chance to do. We're working on, we're going to, because our, oh, well, God, that's not out yet. So, because <laughs> <laughs> things might go south this week. 
yeah. for us. Um, we're mm-hmm. talking about getting together yeah. and doing, um, you know, one of those living room concerts. Not necessarily live, but trying to just do our whole debut record front to back um, and just start to, you know, release it snippet by yeah. snippet. We haven't decided whether to put it behind a paywall yet or not because the problem is, is we're losing a, so much money from this from this pandemic yep. that we have we have bills to pay. Mm. We have to pay and then not like electric bills or whatever. You know, we have oh. to pay uh we're putting out a vinyl record yep. and we owe like a grand on it. And we were supposed to be making all this yep. money and now we're not. Now you can't go to those shows to like Exactly. Honestly like I just put a um fifteen percent discount on our Morning Mountains black metal hoodies because um, we're going to do a reorder. All Those we have is sick, youth small. Did you sell a shit ton of them? Yeah, we literally only have um, youth large. How many did you sell of those? We sold 41 of them. So Not a boy. Um, they are these. I wear it because like it's only like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's great. I love the merch that we make. Um, and then like 90% of the you artwork, that? this was a, um, one of my high school friends, boyfriend at the time, yeah. um, logo, by, logos by Charles. He does all handwritten or hand drawn, like logos for bands. Yeah. Primarily metal. Um, he did like the Antagony logo. I think that's the, the one that I recognize the most. Yeah. Um, but I just hit him up and was like, yo, I want it to be like the most classic black metal, like illegible <laughs> with an upside down cross and he totally came through dude and he it's a cat look at it you got ears you have like the whiskers and then the nose oh yeah it's a black metal logo it looks more like a raccoon to me but i totally get whatever you like i mean maybe you like raccoons more than cats but uh, it's totally just like a classic illegible black metal logo that has a cat face like in it yeah so we've sold i mean what that's 80 percent of our stock that's really good it's tough to sell those small and youth ones no one's small so when we bought gildens back in the day like shirts um we had a huge problem um with people like with our smalls not being small enough really so I mean, Gildan's also a t-shirt company, but I went out of my way to like, okay, well, we'll make like a youth small or a youth large because people were asking for smaller than small. Yeah. And I remembered that. When it comes to Hanes 50-50 polyester cotton, <laughs> not the same issue as no, Gildan shrinks, huh? small. Yeah. I mean, like mine is an extra large. I'm a hefty boy. It fits nice and snug. Yeah, yeah. But like, I recommend buying a size above. Mm-hmm. It's going to shrink the dryer, especially if you dry your clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, this I've already washed. So with our merch, I wash and like abuse it as much as possible so that I can tell like the durability and like, like, yeah, this sweatshirt's probably been washed in two months, 12 times. And looks great. I've worn it to work. Yeah. I've like worked in it. Like I've, I beat the hell out of it so that I know that it's quality. Yeah. So we're doing a reorder of those on our website, morningmountains.com. We have like a pre-order and that's list. Morning 
with a U. Yeah. M O U. Yeah, M O U. In morning. Yeah. Um, the story of that name is kind of interesting. Speaking but, of yeah. which, not about the website, but about Morning <laughs> Mountains, do you want to play some of your new tunes? Ah. And we'll, t- um, we'll take a little break, play a, a new tune or a partial yeah. of a tune. Do you want to. I, do you think they want to hear like a part of the song before I play it acoustically? So they can get the idea of like the quality of what it's going to be. If if it were me, and I don't want to tell you how to run your ship, but if it were me, I'd play a different song and then do an acoustic song and tease the record. Be like, there's also a recording of this song coming okay. out, and then do a and then do it acoustic. So we have the first one that'll come out. Uh, it's the first one planned to come out. Um, it's one of my favorites. We move on. It's my um, favorite of yours. That song is straight fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's got like a super like old school Arctic Monkeys vibe mixed with like a real classy like R and B kind of swagger. I I like um, the feel change in it. It kind of goes into like a real straight part in the mm. chorus, which uh, it, it it always hits, dude. The chorus always hits. Yeah, it's like a halftime hit, right? Yeah, it's uh, well the tempo increases and then we move it to halftime. All right, let's listen to it, and then we'll talk more about it. Okay. Let's listen yeah. to it. All right. Let's to it. I sent you the uh, Dropbox. All right. I'm going to play it. On. So uh, what's the name of the title one more time? Do you want to introdu- introduce move it? move on. By Morning Mountains. By Morning Mountains.
So that recording was real fun. Here, let's get this thing all nice and close. Yeah. yeah. Make it so you can hear real nice and sexy like. Absolutely, they can. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> Coming back to you live. I like that radio voice at that porn star radio yeah. voice you have like or whatever. 90s, it was. <laughs> 90s porn magazines, they had great numbers on the back. Oh, man. So what we were talking about when uh, the the mics were off, I was raving about the f- the subtle feel changes in that song, right? Yeah. You have the kind of, it almost feels, it's not frantic by any means, but it's a faster eighth note pulse like uh, feel in the verses, yeah. even though you hide it well because... There's not, you know, a real obvious in the background, but there's still that feel. I guess I'm like, yeah, exactly. And then it cuts down to that almost halftime feel, which is freaking awesome. I think it's a 30 BPM difference. Really? If I, so you actually had a tempo change. Yeah, we actually like, I we. And we threw and programmed a click for that. Okay, okay. In the studio. Yeah, when we recorded our record, we just went straight, me, Tommy, and Alante doing take after take after take until we liked it. And then that was it. No no click or anything. Honestly, like, it's a beautiful way to go. That's how... But you fucking tricked me because I was like, you guys didn't record you a metronome, huh? No, like, you totally remember that? Did, yeah, yeah, you remember that comment. And yeah. I, yeah, you guys definitely did. For everything before this, up until this this last recording session, um, the only thing that was recorded to a click, I believe, was to the Drink and Dance. I believe that's the only song in our like 18 song discography yeah. prior to this. That was recorded. So you did the same thing. You had the rhythm quote rhythm section get yeah. together and record yeah. live and yeah. I, Howell played. Um, well, Carrie has great timing, so I'm sure it sounded yeah. great. Carrie's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still to this day, boyo, I am like <laughs> so blessed to have that dude. Like the way I see our band now is so funny because it's like I'm just gonna play like some minimalist guitar stuff that's kind of like tricky rhythmic. But yeah. like not like over the top. And he's gonna play dope ass drum beats. Yeah. And I'm gonna rap over the top of it. We're like a rap group now. <laughs> it's 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 like I'm just gonna come through and be like, here's some spoken word poetry stuff that's gonna make you feel some things. He's gonna make it feel real good, real heavy, or real <laughs> intense. What are clothes? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> spoken word is, dude. But yeah, that that record that's my favorite song that you guys do, and um, it, the recording sounds great. What what's left to do on it? Um, honestly, like the those are the first mixes. Um, I'm super happy with them. Um, but like we're gonna start and listen. Like we've already listened to them a bazillion time, and we're like, oh, well, like what about this? This little nitpicky like bullshit yeah, that yeah. musicians do that you'll never hear or Hmm. like you probably wouldn't even hear the difference Mm -hmm. but like i want to find a way to make a little more attack at the end of the song totally so like it builds (laughs) so the it's actually the theme song of this podcast uh stumbling like that part we had our old recording which i recorded in my or in my bedroom in Santa Barbara with um, Jay Young, who uh, con- I don't know if you ever met Jay Young before. S- 
sweetest dude. Um, I like sweet dudes. Yeah, sweet, sweet guy. dudes are good. Um, we recorded drums in his like little studio in Concord, and then we did everything else in my bedroom. And for some reason, like that hit was so hot. Like if you listen to like the first twenty episodes of this podcast, you'll hear that version of it. And then the most recent ones is our the our record version. Yeah. And like for the longest time, I was talking to Nate, and I was like, "Do you hear the difference between these two? He's like, "He's like, I honestly don't hear any difference <laughs> at all." Yeah. Wow. And I was like, "No, this one, like, you hear that hit? Yeah. It's just like." And so, like, we went and, like, did a bunch of shit. Like, we, you know, added some gain to, like, the string mm-hmm. bends. And, like, we just tried so many different things. And finally, we got it. We got it comparable. Yeah. But I never felt like it ever quite hit as hard as the old one. And it's like there's always those subtle little tiny things mm-hmm. in, a, in a recording that... It's super difficult to re- reproduce. Yeah. Honestly, like, I've got... All of these songs primarily have been, like, written... Um, I mean, layman's versions of the drums or like whatever, like what's either been embellished upon or rewritten completely, mm-hmm. but like guitars and bass and like vocals, vocal melodies have all been like either done on an iPad on GarageBand or Logic on my Mac mm-hmm. um, prior, like figure it out, and like kind of come up with a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Besides, I know, you know, we, uh, we never went through that with the, the Mac. It was just mm-hmm. like, hey, like jamming on the song. Let's try it out. I went to the studio and recorded it, but everything else we pretty much had How did demoed it turn out. out in the studio. I'm stoked on it. Yeah, um, and that's the one that you're gonna perform acoustic for us. We'll play. We'll play it. Yeah, we'll do it. I'll do it. Got. I know you know. Um, and it came out. You know the way it's supposed to. Be. Um, all of the when I went and did the vocals, I like really spent some serious time like making sure that I was right where I was when I wrote the song. I mean, I, I do that for like 98% of the sets talking about headspace. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I want to tell you the story. Like, like it's the first time I'm telling it. Like, I don't, you know, like you've told the same story a hundred times and you start to exclude the details. You start to not care about it. You're telling it to somebody for the first time. But you're not as excited about it. Like it could have been something that was dope that happened to you, and you're telling that story to the hundredth person. Like when you're cast, when you have a cast, and you have to explain that. The first five people, it's exciting. You tell them every detail. Mm-hmm. After ten people, you stop. After a hundred people, you're like, I broke my arm. Fuck. <laughs> so that'll happen with people in their performances with music. It's like that story meant so much to that songwriter or to that that vocalist or the lyricist at that time. At one point, it becomes muscle memory. No longer like, am I telling the story? I'm just repeating words that I know that I'm supposed to say. So it's something that I really, really try to go out of my way to maintain is like, and it's taxing. It is taxing because it's like, oh, let's go like, put myself in a super shitty spot yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Like really remember that. And I have my own mechanisms of dealing with that. Like whatever I'm dealing with in that point of, I write a lot of like really you know, like abstract metaphors mm-hmm. and can relate anything to anything. Um, so like we played twin shrieks and I teared up like quite a bit at that set. Um, we did a live version of that as well on Facebook. Um, 
it's a really one of my favorite performances probably um of the past year or so um i had my own issues like technically or technologically i had pedal board issues yeah, um technical. yeah um but we powered through it um people were actually like stoked off the technical difficulties they were like wow like I was 15 seconds into a song, like did the build up of the intro, went into the first chorus, came out of the first chorus, no guitar, died. Yeah. Fixed it, and it just picked right back up from the chorus. It took like a minute to fix it. And I can't just like plug into my guitar amp. I can't just bypass my pedal board because I don't have a bass. Yeah. So like that's what I would do if I didn't have that sub frequency, but you miss out on like 33% of the show when I do that. When you don't have your bass sub. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the thing is, is people are starving for authenticity nowadays. Like mm-hmm. between Instagram being so fake, like every, you know, everyone's Instagram feed is like the yeah. best 0.3% of their life. Straight up. And people are like starving for oh. authenticity and they're starving for oh. authentic moments. So it's like something like that. People even kind of get lightweight stoked on. They're like, yeah. well, it was like, oh, there's some real turmoil here. Oh my god! It was like a minute and a half, two minutes of like pure like ah fuck, yeah, and like just talking it through like with the people and like explaining like I thought it was my class A boost. I thought my class A boost finally died, and so like something that I do with all my pedals is I actually when I buy them, I open up the backs on them mm-hmm. and I'll write like the year that I got it, I'll write Morning Mountains and I'll sign my name, and then when I sell it or it dies, I'll re like I'll finish the hyphen. And I'll give it like it's it's death date, That's and sad. so something that like I am currently working on actually is like um, over my lifespan I want to build a graveyard pedal board, <laughs> so like, I'll hang that on the studio wall and it'll just be all the pedals that I've killed over the years. Dude, I've never killed a pedal. My my Jekyll and Hyde pedal is getting real fucking close, but <laughs> I haven't killed one yet. The pedals I want, didn't want oh, to no, talk I, about. I, really? I killed a tuner pedal. I killed uh, TC Electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hardware that they use for their buttons, it's literally a button with a hollow shaft, like aluminum shaft, that's really thin, and a spring, and a like almost like a graphite point, and that goes directly onto a chipboard, and that's how their flashbacks work. That's how all of their buttons, their momentary switches work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I weigh like 230, 240 pounds. You're stomping on that thing. I'm running for it half of the time. <laughs> like... I'm, I'm hard on gear. I'm hard on everything. Yeah. Like that's too like how I was raised. Yeah, and I was raised on like a farm. Like I was, we were hard on things. Well, you guys uh, have a killer live performance. Um, things, people haven't seen Morning Mountains. Definitely, please go. You guys play a yeah. ton too, which is yeah. honestly like we get a bunch of shit from venues who are like, "Hey man, if you're playing within a month span or yeah. a two week span or thirty yeah. day span, it's like." We're a band. Yeah. This is what we do. It's like, how many zip codes does that city have? Yeah. It's like, you can go to LA and play for a week and not see anybody. Yeah. Any of the same Absolutely. crowd. But also, it's like the audacity of a venue to be like, hey, you're providing some free entertainment for us. Yeah. For the most part, it's free. Let's be honest. Like, most bars aren't really paying. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Out of pocket. Yeah. Out of pocket. It's like, so for them to also enact this thing where they're like, hey, if we see that you're playing another place within two weeks after the month long clause, 
I'm sorry. Simply cannot play for you. I, we, I cannot play a show if you're going to exclude me from playing other shows because I, that's what we do. That's We're, when the circuit becomes yeah. really, really important. Yeah. So like Santa Cruz and Pacific are two totally different places. Mm-hmm. An hour away. Um, yeah, we played like a house show in Pacifica and then we did a Santa Cruz show and then we played Pacifica the following Tuesday at Winter's Tavern. But like going from Weathertops Present, ran by Tom Stone, like super, like the sweetest dude who's actually the, he's the singer and guitar player of Damper. He's the writer for Damper. Um, like homies, like we, he yeah. let us call his house home base for two nights, three days, like, and like planned the house party show for us. Cause we were like going to be there. Uh, like love the dude. He's nice my homie. dude. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, there's a lot of like really, really, really wholehearted, like sweetheart people in the Bay area that are coming up with like these house shows. And like, they're like really focused on safe space and like being able to be whoever you want to be, like wherever you're at. And it's, it's, when you say so safe tender. space, what does that term mean to you? Because it's been so maligned over the years. So what is what does that safe space to me is truly mean to you? No judgment. Um, being able to be like trans, bi, gay, like any anything that you want to be, anything that you are, being who you are wherever you're at, and being safe, free of judgment, um, free of uh, abuse free of anybody trying to take advantage of you. Um, you being allowed to like party and have a good time and not being worried about like waking up next to like somebody that you definitely like that we both knew that you weren't supposed to wake up next to. It's a really big thing. And like, even when I'm even like today, like I, I don't make the first move. Um, I have a huge respect for women and like, um, I, I, probably like the whole Nordic blood thing, a little Viking like ritual. Like we worshiped women as, are you Norwegian as well? I had German, French, Dutch and Irish primarily. I'm sure yeah. there's Norwegian. I haven't <laughs> done my 23 in me. I have one, but I haven't done it. But barrel chest says a lot. Yeah. Um, but like cultural worship for women. And like we had a queen, you know, we like responded to a queen. That's what we did everything for. I hold women to a very, very high regard because they are from a poisoned, like toxic mindset of a man seen as feeble. They do try to take like a poison, toxic masculine like perspective. We'll try to see a woman as like a, a feeble, um, lesser person. And like, or something to be taken advantage of or something to yeah. be attained. Yeah. Something to own. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm not to be seen as equal. And so it's like for me, like I have a really, really, really hard time. Like I play like the whole transparency card with women and like, hey, like just so you know, I've kind of got like a thing for you. I've got a crush on you, like so mm, because I don't want to like have any issues like that mm-hmm. um but i forgot where that came from i've always said the best way to see if someone's into you is if give them your number don't ask for their number yeah. give them your number yeah. because if they're into you they're gonna yeah. hit you up how often do they respond to your instagram stories bro <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, I haven't been single in a while, but yeah. that's uh that was a thing. It was like if I'm the person, you know, pounding down your door to talk to you, then where's yeah. the mutual interest, yeah. you know? And there the for the vast majority of our lives the the onus has been on the man to like kind of kickstart things and get it going. But it's yeah. like I feel like it's way more transparent, like I said, to give them your number and if they want to hit you up, then that's what's going to happen. And you don't have to be the person being like, hey, hey, what's up? Hey, 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 what's up? What are you doing? Hey, Hey, what's up? What do you want? (laughs) You want to hang out tonight? Exactly. Hey, hey, let me in. I'm trying to fuck. Like, (laughs) nah. Whatever it might be. Whatever your end goal is. I, I don't know. Like, I've been doing a lot of dating myself thing. So yeah. like go and like go to a restaurant by myself and like just bring some headphones and like sit there like at the bar and like eat food and listen to an album I'd never heard before. Just be like, oh my God. Sounds fantastic. And you just sit there for like 40 minutes like nibbling at like a Chipotle fucking burrito bowl and like just listening to this record and like really listening to it because that's who you're dating right in that moment. Mm-hmm. I was just like, now, one of my favorite artists to do that with is Chris Staples, not Chris Stapleton. Chris Staples. Dude, I love Chris Stapleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's amazing. But uh, phenomenal Chris musician. Staples, but Chris Staples is uh, um, East Coast like um, solo artist who like see like this is where it comes from the the safe space stuff. Um, Chris Staples is a part of a label called. I'm going to forget. I hate that I forget because it's such a good label. What they do is they allow for people to sign up. Like you put a submission into this label. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, like my house can host like 75 people in the living room. Uh, max. If you like, if your artist wants to come through, we have a safe space for them. We can accommodate them. They can come and play. And it's just all of these living room events. And it's like, I went and seen Chris Staples um, in San Francisco, right down the street from Neckel Woods, actually. And like this dude's apartment, it just had like this really open floor pan. And it was like, that's gotta be such incredible. A precious. That's got to be incredible, man. Yeah. I, we just saw the Black Keys at Chase Center. That's the exact opposite. Of you're what like, you're talking about. Guys. I'm like, God, I remember seeing them at the Warfield. Like, yeah. I saw them um, in 2008 at Outside Lands when uh, Radiohead played. And so Radiohead started about 20 minutes after Black Key started. So naturally, the entire crowd <laughs> left to go jockey for position to go see Radiohead. Yeah. So it was me and like Radiohead's dope, by the way. Like no, no, of mad course, respect, dude. Of course they're dope. Yeah. but that's why everyone left. So everyone left to jockey for position to see Radiohead. Understandable. And <laughs> I was left with like eighty other people the to watch the Black Keys at Outside Lands. The album before Brothers, Magic Potion. Yeah, is like, dude, real primetime jams. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, most of their records are real primetime jams. And that guy is so blue-collar about his his mm-hmm. music. Like, his work ethic is just show up to his studio from 8 to 7, 
work with whatever it might be. Just record any really? idea. Yes, that's his. I've never like looked. That's into his whole mo is what he does. Dan Auerbach. He he has so many projects. He has forty his hours own a label. Week. Yeah, his own more than that. I'm sure. Yeah. But his own his own uh, label, Easy Eye Sound. He just has all these people that he loves and respects, and he just blue collar every that's single tight. day. Probably takes his uh, daughter to school, drops her off, goes to work, goes to Easy Eye Sound, and records. <laughs> And that's it. And they've come out with so much stuff. They've done Black Rock. They've done, you know, they've done the Dan Auerbach solo stuff. They've done the Black Keys, which they just came out with a new record. I haven't heard it. Yet. I haven't heard anything off of it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it. T- I, I like their old stuff. Obviously, yeah. you know, when you grow up with something, it's yeah. a different kind of thing. It's honestly what like I'm slightly kind of afraid of because like weird like Willowers gonna die was like a very uh, Doctor Dog mm. kind of like Beatlesy like kind of old school feel vibe. Um, which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't know it was like that. Yeah. To me, it was like, oh, no, we got heavy parts, bruh. Made yeah. it hell heavy, bro. Yeah. Like, uh, decades of evacuations, hell heavy. Mm-hmm. But, like, now that like I go back and listen to, like, what we're doing now, I'm like, oh, man, we weren't, we were, like, totally, like, playing this really, like, kind of 60s vibe heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I, I do. I, I have, like, a, a slight, hey, like, you guys that used to like us, do you still like us? <laughs> Dude, the thing about like the Dr. Dog Beetle or Beatles, you said Dr. Do you say Beetle? You said Beatles, Dr. right? Dr. Dog Beetles. Yeah, Dr. Dog Beetle. The thing about that is when you say that, it just to me, like when you speak that language to me, it means really good songwriting. Like that's what, <laughs> that's all I'm hearing. It's like you're like, "Oh man, we used to do this shit that was just really good songwriting." Honestly, the like the structural the song structures of Where Lovers Gonna Die, um, Momo, and um, Soda, all three of those releases, I truly believe are really, really progressive, um, alternative, pushing the envelope on development of song structure. Some of them have real pop form. Some of them have like like King Oddities, which... King Oddities is not my favorite song lyrically. Howell wrote most of Soda, and that's the reason why I don't have it on Spotify anymore. Uh, You took it down. I took it down because I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to put his shit that he wrote, those songs, I embellished upon. He wrote those songs. He's not in the band anymore. I'm not going to put those songs up to make money on them. They're not my songs. That's fair. I embellished upon them. That's it. Like I have artist credits. I don't have any publishing credits which on that you, song, which you certainly deserve. You certainly des- deserve artist credits. I, I, I have harmonies that I wrote. I have guitar parts that I wrote primarily. Mm-hmm. I didn't write one lyric on soda. So we, we might've touched on this last time, but I, I feel like, I feel like I avoided this whole topic. No, entirely. sorry. I didn't want to, I didn't want to dig into this topic. Yeah. I mean, we could, if you want, I don't know. It's, it's if, fine. But what I wanted to dig in was your real songwriting. Um, I remember you were saying you go home and you record and you like obsess over and you like mm. you uh, dive. 
Yeah, and you you can like you were saying like you can dive into something and write like all night and like all this crazy stuff like generally because this is one question my sister loves to ask and I love to ask too and I generally forget to ask it but I got to do it for Emily. Shout out to Emily. Um, <laughs> what I got to do love is Tom ask you. Too. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. What of course I, used to. <laughs> Thanks. What I got to do is ask you, like, do you usually come up with lyrics first, a word first, a melody first, a guitar part first? Like, how does it how does it usually happen for you? Um, the easiest of songs that I've written, uh, the songs that come the quickest. Um, in the car. Um, in... I guess uh, not listening to music, whatever you call that, would be um, desensitization. Like not just listening to wind and like singing in my own head. Uh, Organ Teeth was written with guitar, um, but Roots of Trees was written driving down the road. So you'll sing it, you'll hear it, you'll sing it, and then you'll be like, oh, fuck, I got to capture this. And then you throw your phone up. You hit the voice recorder, and then you try to kind of find a rhythm tailor the guitar part to the vocal. And how will like I showed him that? No, he had already written that song musically for the most part. And I came through was like wandering around till the cars left the roads. We watched as lights filled their homes, and I remember that was the first song we wrote together where we like devised our style. And I remember like standing, sitting in front of iPad in 2013 when GarageBand was like real shitty. And <laughs> so iPads were shitty, on an iPad mini, 2013, second gen, dude. And, and I just remember like him snap. Oh, fuck. Like, that's dope. He liked it. He liked it. Yeah. And that's, that's where Morning Mountain was. Some things come slower than that, though. Like, um, and Emily's going to listen to this. And like, she played a, uh, a recording hey, recently of a song, just her vocals that she came up with um, in the middle of the night. She woke up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. like was like, oh, I have this shit in my head, yeah. wrote it down, went to bed, yeah. recorded it or listened to it, recorded the next day. And was like, oh, I got to send this to Stu, you mm-hmm. know, and she played it with me and Tom and Tom and I were trying to like craft a guitar part to it. Which is difficult. Real difficult, and we were talking about, oh, should this be like a song that just goes from the main chord of the song to the three, or should it go to the one to the four, like whatever the fuck. Oh, like super theoretically. Yeah, whatever the fuck. We were trying yeah. to fit. Well, basically, to make it, you know, layman's terms, we were trying to figure out which chords fit with the melody. Yeah. You know, we we're going what back vibes? and forth on a bunch of different chords, and I, I didn't like. So Tom was like, I think it should go. like that and Mm. i was like i think you should just stay here and so we kind of just left it i didn't do shit to it and then i had emily send me the recording of her doing it you know just in the middle of the night the voice memo so she sent it and i started to play it like tom had said he thought it should have gone and when tom said he thought it should have gone this way initially i was like i don't (laughs) love the way we're doing it yeah but then i was like you know what? I'm just gonna try it, but with a different feel, with like a double time feel. Oh. And like, we basic that after that, 
that song basically wrote itself. It's just like that. And it's a I brand new happens. song that we're working on. Oh. But it's like, it just goes to show there's so much purity in listening, just listening to a song's vocal melody. Mm-hmm. Fuck everything else. Fuck the drums, the guitar part, the harmony, whatever. Just the initial vocal melody when you first wrote it. Mm-hmm. When you first, when it always first keep ends. the first take, uh, even yes. if it's like buried in the back of the track. Yes, if it's like down there, always keep the first take because yes. you will reference it a thousand times because it is the most pure. Yes, like the most pure seeking version of what you've done. Because now, like you put it down, you've listened to it once. Now you're seeking to embellish upon. The first take is always the most pure. Well, there's a reason it was in your brain. Yeah. Right? There's a reason it was in your brain. And it's because of what it was. And then you might sing it twice. And then you sang it easier the third time. And then you maybe changed a certain cadence Mm -hmm. in the way you sang it the fourth time, fifth time. But you go back to the first time, you're like, oh, I really like how I had that little scoop in that like third, you know, lyric or whatever it might be. But I completely agree with you. It's like going back like, two months later and trying to write a second verse that matches the melody and yeah. cadence and temperament of the first verse. Yeah. So matching that first verse as a second verse with different lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's a bitch, dude. Yeah. Such a bitch. Um, I have a song young gamblers that'll probably be like recorded in 21. Um, that's about my little brother that I wrote like three years ago. Um, that like, I finally have, have like, all right, that second verse is like there. I, I realize it takes me a long time to write songs. I, I have them. I have two songs I'm working on right now. One's called uh, Slim to Win and one's called Daydream. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just so, the intricate parts of the song. It's not the it's not the broad strokes. It's always the intricate strokes, uh, the tiny details of the song, the connective tissue from part to part. Yeah. The stuff that like people don't generally focus on, but is so vital. It's a transitional yeah. material. Like, mm-hmm. like for example, uh, your song is "I Don't Want to Move On." Is that the official title of it? It's "We Move On." We move on. We right, move sorry, on, dude. I'm, I'm fucking. Because the first chorus is the. Um, I'm a horrible she, interviewer. Oh. No, you're great. <laughs> uh, the, the first chorus is like the. It sets it up with the. I always love the way that she moved and the way that she don't know how to. She don't know how to move on, uh, and the second one is. I like um, the double the double meaning. Yeah, the uh, physically uh, shake it, and also yeah, yeah, anyway. and the second one is the how we should or. I like that you shed light on that because I would have never picked that up. I'm not very good at so this is my when I listen to songs, I listen to the instrumentation more than anything the I'm vocal exactly melody exactly. the instrumentation i don't really dial in on the lyrics and that's why i love having emily in the band because she is very meticulous at diving into the lyrical meaning which is great but it's just not my uh not my skill set to me music is a cupcake right so you have cupcakes for like every event in the world you got it for fourth of july you got it for saint patrick's day you got it for birthdays you got it for everything there's a cupcake you can buy for it. The cake, the cake part, like the, the carby part, yeah. that is the bass. That is the drums. That is the rhythm. That is the fucking, uh, Foundation. Sets the vibe. Yeah. Tempo, it's everything. All well, the frosting, 
it's all like guitars. It's all like the mid-range to treble instruments. Yeah. The frosting, the reason why you understand what it is, that's the sprinkles. That's the green powder for St. Patrick's Day. That's the red, white, and blue for July 4th. That's the Christmas spirit. That's the Halloween spirit. The lyrics and the vocal melodies are the reason why you understand what that song's about. Dude, I've had this very similar metaphor actually because i teach guitar and shit yeah. like that and i and um, dope i aspire I, to be like you oh, thank you brother. one day it's it's beautiful to be able to teach like these these young kids and we all remember where we were when we were like 10 or 11 we'd listen to a record and we'd be like this is a magical experience but i don't know why and i don't understand why but i love it when music was a um another language yeah it was just like this <gasps> mythical creature where yeah. you're just like oh i love this mm -hmm. but i don't know what it is and you just want to figure what out what it is so these kids are that <laughs> so like I, i'll tell them um so i teach a lot of or i used to teach a lot of rock bands and so like they would tell me about that yeah That's they dope. would do like covers it would be like a bunch of 10 year olds like playing like jimmy Eat world or some shit like That's that tight. jimmy Eat world rock on bro <laughs> <laughs> fucking skate and destroy dude brother. freaking tom davis in our band he sings uh in his cover band the unoriginals he sings uh in uh the middle and it's like one of the tommy's uh vocal songs and it's like love you tommy we always yeah. whenever he's singing that we're like whoa so jimmy world uh, my name's james um in middle school and in like early elementary i was called jimmy imagine how much flack i caught for that that and james and the giant peach People called me Jimmy Eight World. People called me James and the Giant Peach. Right, what What do you think uh, people called me growing up? Still, oh, you probably got a lot of things too. I think you can guess. Think about all family the guy. Tons of Family Guy. Tons of Family Guy. Oh man, Th yeah. Tons but at of least he was like a smart kid. It wasn't like some dude playing with insects and a peach. <laughs> That's a fucking weird dude. And Jimmy Eat World. I was always fat. It was always a fat joke. <laughs> I've always been a big boy, bro. It was like two oh, years where I was no. like, I didn't even shape. think about it like Jimmy that. Jimmy Eat World, it was always a fat joke. I got a lot of uh, Stuart Little, mm -hmm. and they're like, but you're not oh, little. What am I gonna do? I, Stu? That I got so much Stu. No, no, uh, Mad TV. Well, you're right. It is yeah, Mad, Mad TV. TV. That's, that's Stuart from Mad TV. <laughs> I got all that. Look what I can do. And I'm like, oh, look what I can do. Uh, especially being a musician, I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, man. I, they're like, you're in a Just band. And I'm like, yeah, I play guitar. They're like, oh, so you're basically like, look what I can do. She <laughs> like, this rad solo, bro. Look yeah. what I can do. Anyway, I was talking about, um, we were talking about a food analogy for music, right? Mm -hmm. So what I've used to tell my kids is, uh, bass and drummers, you're the plate. Mm. You're the plate. I like that. Foundation. You're the foundation. You're what the jello mold is on top of. Mm. People mm -hmm. understand the jello mold, which is the music, the sorry, the music, the guitars and the vocals, because people can consume that. They no. get it. They Easy. especially get the vocals. It's really easy to understand guitar and vocals. But the thing is, is you can't possibly have a solid vocal track or a solid guitar track on top of an out of tune bass guitar, no. um, an out of rhythm bass guitar. An out of time drum, an out of rhythm drum. If the bass and the drums are so fucking locked in that the vocals and the guitar can sit on top mm -hmm. of it, then that's where it really comes in. But if not, jello's all over the floor. That's why the bass and drums, why rhythm sections are always like, oh, they're just like 
keeping it together because they literally are just like putting it in. There's like jams that you'll listen to. You're like, oh man, that bass player has been playing literally the exact same bass line for like 20 minutes. It's because they hold it down. Yeah. I'm so blessed to have Tom and Alante because they fucking, <laughs> they're, fu- they really they're they fucking hold it down so well. I, I love Josh. And I, and, and I feel bad like stating this out loud because uh, but Tom is probably the best bass player in our immediate community that like I can think of. And Josh is, is he's right there. Josh, Josh is, is awesome, so tight. Man. I love Josh's like demeanor. Josh is always like, I'm going to Scott from swoon is pretty fucking amazing too. Shout out to that would be Tom. I've talked to, I've talked to uh, Tom before and I love Tom. I think Tom, and I'm not trying to rank local bass players. That's only a couple hell. bass players. I'd like be like, Hey, yo, you should, yeah. Like you could play in morning mountains. That's cool. Well, <laughs> and I'd be like Tom and Josh. That's like it. Yeah. My guys, uh, actually I have so much history with, and I love to death is Shane from Shane's yeah, Shane. <laughs> Phenomenal um, bass player. So Shane, <laughs> Shane delay, uh, Sabretooth. Um, he is in Sabretooth. That's he's right. in uh, Mama Foxy. And Bully West, right? Uh, Bully West. Dude, Bully West is so fucking good. They're crazy. God. Manny is a phenomenal vocalist. Manny, get an, a Bully West Instagram page immediately. And Manny, if you do Don't Let Me Down Again, that cover, um, let's just talk about it beforehand so I don't have to like run up while you're doing it on stage and sing it with you. I can just like, we can plan it out. So you're a Beatles fan. Don't Let Me Down. Um, so... This is another thing, like Howell Rowe, like which he was my best friend for five years. Um, I'm not gonna be public about like why we're not we're not friends anymore. Like why? Um, I still love him. Like I will be open in public about. I still so love him. So let's just change the. You're not but not he, friends anymore. You just don't hang out on a I daily basis. Spoken to him in you two don't years. talk anymore. But I, you don't like have an animosity. It's here. for personal health reasons. Okay. It's for our each other's own good. Um, when it came down to it, I simply had. Can you tell everyone who this is to you? How I know. Row, but... um, for five years, was my absolute best friend. Um, we spent every day together. Um, it was the person I checked in with. It was the person that I wrote with. It was the person that, like, I would show what I was working on and what he thought of it. So that's like my Emily, basically. Yeah. yeah. Whatever like they thought of it. If they thought it was good, I would continue working on it. If they didn't think it was good, I would quit working on it. They were the standard of what I was doing. And now at this point in time, there's there's songs that we just went and recorded that like weren't held to their standards. Like um But you liked them and you're like But I liked yeah. them. Yeah. And so now like I'm following through the and like, you know, his opinion wasn't everybody else's opinion. Yeah. That's the way it is. Um but how will row like if you ever listen to this, Howell, I know like that we still know some of the same people. I know that we still run into each other. I still love you, dude. We just simply aren't good for each other. Direct, directly to him. We just simply aren't good for each other. Do you want to embellish on that at all? or um, It would be too personal. Yeah, fair. It would get too fair. far. It, it would be outing each other. Fair. Um. So back to the Beatles, though. Beatles. When, when like... What are so it's easy for people like, you know, people like my parents or people like that to understand you better, I think, from a perspective of artists that they understand and know. And it's like, I'm not just saying just my parents, but like the Beatles are, you know, the 
they're universal. Yeah, they're like they're uh, they're they're water when it comes to music. Like everybody knows the Beatles mean something. Mm-hmm. Every we're all made. We're all Chuck's children, but we were all influenced by the Beatles. That's mm-hmm. um. What's the direct question? The right question is, what do the Beatles specifically mean to you? Like, I, you've referenced them before. Like, when when did you get into them? Like, what was it about them that you drew from and you and you uh, felt akin to a connection to? So the Beatles, to me, um, I didn't get into until a much later date in my life. And there were certain songs that I understood, like that I'd heard before, like "Hey Jude," you know the the standards. Yeah. Um, the, the radio hits, but my father like doesn't like the Beatles. He didn't like the Beatles. Rolling I, Stones guy. He's a Stones guy, <laughs> and so like I love the Stones. Like don't get me wrong. Like I have um a song that I'm working on that will probably release in 2021 called Statewide Shade. That is so Stones disco vibe, dude. That, like Statewide Shade. Statewide such a Shade. Sweet name. It's a yeah. It's 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 a good song. <laughs> I, I, I'm really, really proud of that lyrical composition. Statewide Shade. Love um, it, dude. That'll come out in 2020. And those lyrics are already published. Isn't it so funny that Bitches. adults, like, so it was like, you know, like the famous riffs between bands is like Tupac and Biggie, like <laughs> the Stones, the yeah. Beatles. You're either a Stones guy or the Beatles guy. You're, you're a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi yeah. dog. What up? You're either a Who guy or a Zeppelin guy. Yeah. And like, we just grew there. Like there are so many branches off this rock and roll tree that have grown that you can't be like, "Hey, man, I'm either a, a yeah. Jimmy, uh, a freaking Felice Brothers guy or a Charlie Crockett guy." That's yeah. it. It's like, you know, I only listen to like, <laughs> I only listen to like, um, Foxing or like or like uh, Me Without You, bro. That's all. Yeah. Which they toured together, so that was a bad example. But whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah, though. like totally. so, your dad was a Stones guy, so. Almost uh, like the Beatles were like Beatles uh, were like a bitchy. He like, was like, "Those are like that's for girls." Yeah. Uh, well, the girls did love the Beatles, the Beatles. but they also loved the Rolling they Stones. Jagger, too. Bro. Yeah, like, they the loved hell? Jagger. They loved all of the Stones. Girls, when women were like finally like allowed to show their own personality, like, well, like let's not. It wasn't just entertainment, dude. Like women were released mm-hmm. on like they were filmed. It was like they weren't no, they were no longer like housemates at that point in time. They were allowed to like be their own individual people and like have their own opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they like they flaunted it. Freaking love the Beatles and the Stones, man. I love the Beatles. I love the Stones. So we're we're running up on it. Do you want to do your uh, acoustic performance? Yeah. Nice. So, do you want to talk about it before we set it up? Yeah, we're. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up with this Beatles reference. Yeah. Um, there's so much that we didn't touch on that like eventually we'll have to do another one of these again. We'll have to do a trifle. We'll get James Reedy three up in this yeah. biatch, dude. I, I absolutely love these. And honestly, like to some degree, like would love to do my own podcast, but like, um, um, so these five songs we just went and recorded, mm-hmm. they're all going to be re- released as singles. Um, over the course of this year and so at the end of the year we'll put them all out on one record and you'll understand the Beatles reference um, which is a heavy paying homage to Howell um, somebody that spent a lot of time with and 
really to teach me about music and and i i do not want to brush that under the rug at all like i still have a lot of love and respect for that man i just we aren't healthy for each other um um i just i do want to be public about that that isn't negative i just i still have dreams like when we're friends and stuff and it's really comforting that's good i just it was a toxic relationship do you want to play now, or do you want me to set up this real mic? I want to set up, up to you. Man. I want to set up a real mic. You set up a real mic. Yeah, I'll set up a real mic. All right. All right. So, so we're gonna take a little quick break, then we'll be right back. Quick we're not live anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Stu. Stuart of Radio Keys. Such a phenomenal band. Such whole, like, wholesome people, real, like, sweetheart people, people that actually care about community and growth. And I appreciate you guys, and thank you for having me. Proud to be associated with you. Um, this song is, you know, Stu said, uh, I know you know, and um, it's one of those tracks that's like, um, we do kind of at the end of our set every time we talk about community and safe space and what that means to us and what it should mean to all of us and like how necessary it is because we all should be able to be who we want to be wherever we are and not feel judged or not feel threatened for being um, there's should be more love in every room that you are in. And um, that's what this whole thing's about. It's less about music and it's more about creating community and console and confide for each other. This song, I know you know, is the metaphorical relationship between a lighthouse and a ship and how actually impossible that is. Even though they are perfect nautical themes for each other. Like you think of a lighthouse and you think of a ship. You think of an anchor and you think of a lighthouse and a ship. You think of the ocean, the open waves, the salty water. And you think of a lighthouse and a ship. But their relationship. The lighthouse is a symbol of restore, rest, and home the ship like literally guides it and keeps it from wrecking itself and the lighthouse is lighthouse just doesn't even have a purpose without the ship but they have two separate ecosystems one's on land and the other one's in the water regardless of how well they seem like they fit I know you've been the lighthouse I know you've been the ship been the ship. I've been the lighthouse. I've been frantic. I've been cruising. Don't share on me, man. You run. I'm just killing time. You know I still feel sharp, twisted, and I how it severed my spine. I just didn't know how hard my heart could fight. I pull the plug out of my side. 
Warish Maninium in Ahasan Glass Girl, but sing the film. I always get back to you. Get my film. Don't see now what the name the waves from you. But shake you see, I throw myself into. I know you know. Oh, I hope you know. Oh, well, I know you know. Oh, I hope you know. Oh, well, I know you know. Oh, I hope you know. Oh, well, I know you know. Pretty sure you know. Pretty sure you know. Tears in my insulting moans. The brackish water, now prepare for this one. There you are, up on the coast, spinning in circles just to guide me home. One thought when I needed you most for you and I. To ever get close, let's just shipwreck. Well, I know you know, I hope you know. Why well, don't you know? Oh, well, I hope you know. Why well, hope you know? Oh, well, I know you know. Why well, hope you know? Oh. I know you know. I'm pretty sure 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 you know. I hope you know. I know you know. Because I know you know. Now, that was an incredible performance, oh, James. James. <laughs> yeah. oh, Thank you I, so much. So heartfelt and shit. I appreciate it. That's you're, you're saying about your grandfather. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was his guitar. Yeah. yeah. His talking to me from the 80s. Um, oh, sorry. No, it's all oh, good. It's it hit the guitar stand. stand, hit a stand. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. This guitar has seen way more abuse than that. Um, my grandfather was like uh, one of those dudes that's like just lived in like a shack in like Texas, a one bedroom shack with like 12 brothers, was like super hard ass, like ate to survive didn't basically, enjoy food <laughs> basically johnny cash is what you're saying yeah, he was like <laughs> five foot four and like i'll oh, fucking kill you and you were afraid yeah like um he weighed nothing but like a buck 20 a buck 40 but um yeah when he passed i well, went down to arizona like a year later to pick up a couple of his guitars and uh, his girlfriend faye um she had the talk to me that i just played on um had his Yamaha, uh, it's a concert series, it's like a little smaller of a guitar, yeah, it's electric with peso. But she left his like, fucking... she left his like old ass, like Fender, um, acoustic that he had like 
it was like the guitar he played. Yeah. You know I mean, like this guitar, like if you look at the frets, that's fresh. They're fresh. They're not. They're not flat. The fretboard, it's still flat. Yeah. I remember being in Mexico, going down to Busarias or whatever it was, right outside of Puerto Vallarta, and like being in his house and like hanging out with him at like 13 years old and like going into their computer room and like he had all his guitars sitting there and the frets on that Fender fucking acoustic were scalloped. Yeah. They he were, played the shit out of that thing. The frets were flat and the fretboard was scalloped. Like there was so much moisture captured inside of the the finish that it was unplayable. Like the guitar was fucking trashed. And when she, he passed and she sold the house in Mexico, she left it there. And it still kills me. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And like when I went and picked up his guitars, she was like, well, like you can have like, you know, like these ones are not as pretty. The Takamini and the concert series, Yamaha, yeah. both 80s. Um, and she kept like this custom shop, classical nylon string that was covered in abalone shell inlay, like just gaudy fucking yeah. guitar. Of course. It was handmade in Mexico, which it was probably dope as fuck. Yeah. For a thousand bucks, probably like, I was 14. I wasn't even old enough to appreciate it. Yeah. When I like seen it, when I played on it. Um, it was probably great. But he didn't play it. He never played the guitar. When he got it, he was too old. Why do you think that is? He was too old to play, man. His hands just weren't there yeah. anymore, huh? I mean, he passed when I was like, I'm sorry, Dad, if you're listening to this. Uh, I know this is, this is touchy, but I love you too. But I, my grandfather, like, I got to jam with my grandfather twice in my existence. And out of, like, all of my brothers, like, I got to spend real time with him. And it's because his girlfriend, Faye, liked me. Um, so she like convinced him to fly me down to Mexico and spend time with him. So I spent like nine days down in Mexico with him when I was 13, 14 years old. And that's when I really like got to f- like vibe into their life. And that's when like I got to know him. Um, other than that, it's all through like stories of my father. Um, but he didn't play that fucking nylon Mexi. He was already fucking like 70 when she bought that guitar. His hands were already like so arthritic and like so... Yeah, bigger fish to fry at that point in time. Mm-hmm. He's just fighting for his life. Fuck, dude. That's Think. some deep shit. Yeah, you know I mean, like, that nylon string was just so gaudy and, like, so out of character for him. Yeah. That, like, he's a unionized fucking musician back in the 60s. Like, they used to call on him to do, like, they would just hit him up and he'd go and do, like, chord chart shows. Just show up at, like, a country western show, like, 50s and 60s and sit in the background and play fucking chord charts. Yeah. Need it, dude. Ah. That's incredible. God damn it. We got to get more into your shit, dude. We got to we gotta wrap it up. But God yeah, damn it. That's so incredible a really shit. long podgra- podcast. Oh, fucking God. All right, dude. <laughs> we always do this shit at the end of the podcast where we say, uh-huh. yeah, you got it, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm Stuart. This is James Reedy of Morning Mountains here. Uh, thank you so much for coming <laughs> out. Um, we're going to keep searching for that, that sweet soul, soul, soul music. <laughs> Sorry.
Searching for that sweet song He's gonna cure his blues Looking for that shiny light Don't see him through Fires up ahead They're singing that same tune Oh, that's sweet.